0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to fritole to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Foof Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at fritole snack Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Forno Show. This is the week before the pregame week. We are just 13 days away from the start of Vikings football, and the best part about it is. We still have stuff to talk about. Roster cuts have begun, and we have already seen five players leave the active roster. Who were they? Where did they go? And what to expect, including my final 53 projection and a lot of speculation on Alexander Madison. And don't forget, in just a few short minutes, we're going to have the debut of Odie. He is sitting right next to me, being a good little boy in my chair. uh, Strap on in. Welcome to The Real Forno Show.
1: Welcome to The Real Forno Show, writer at NBC Sports Edge, contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, and founder of Substack Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Fuckett.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler. With me, producer Dave, down in Austin, Texas. Dave, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Things are fun. It's a fabulous day, a little bit busy. We got our first few cuts. There's rumors flying. What could be better? And I call this week zero, because next week we have week one of the NFL season. So this week Mm -hmm. is week zero.
0: And you know, Dave, it's very fitting that week zero in college football just happened. And there were some fun games. Connecticut hung in there with Utah State, and that was um, fun, fun, fun. Let me tell you, I love me some college football. It is the dumbest and best sport in the history of sports. Well, but the second I did, best is the National Football League.
1: I did watch the Nebraska-Northwestern game this weekend. That is the first college football game I've watched in years.
0: Well, you're in Austin now. you got to go to some Longhorns games, Dave. It's fun. College football is just stupid. And I mean that in an endearing way. It's stupid.
1: Week one starts for them on Saturday.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right. In just a few minutes, we are going to have the debut of the sweet little boy, Odie. And the reason why I am turning my head is he is... It's the first time he's ever been in my office. He's been with us just over just almost a week. Tomorrow is a week. And he is exploring the chair. I've got his his little dog biscuit. Um, if you don't know, biscuit is a littermate um what do you call it? Um, supplement to and it has like a heartbeat like battery in there to simulate having a litter mate so it makes the transition easier for my little guy here but he's doing good and we are about to have a lot of fun. Dave, I think we should talk about the roster cuts from earlier today first sure. because um especially because I want to talk about how injured reserve works, okay? Everybody understands the general concept. Guy gets hurt, going to be out for a long time, you put him on injured reserve. The process of get bringing him back is different now, okay? If he's placed on injured reserve before tomorrow at three o'clock, before those fifty-three man rosters finalize, he cannot play next year, and that is what we have with Ty McGill, and with Ola B.C. Johnson. Now, with McGill, you can't play for the Vikings, okay? But what they can do is they can do what is called an injury settlement. So, let's say, hey, Ty McGill, you're going to be out six weeks, okay? There, the Vikings will be like, eh, I think you're going to be out four. And they'll agree, how many games is this guy going to miss? And then they'll come to an agreement. He will get paid salary for those games that they agree upon. And then at that point, he will be a free agent. So if they agree that T.Y. Miguel is going to miss weeks one through five, he will be a free agent that Tuesday morning, and he will be able to sign with whoever he wants. Unfortunately, that team cannot be the Vikings because that is just a major loophole. Uh, But it is important to note because if you're placed on – Injured reserve after that 3 p.m. deadline tomorrow on August 30th, you can come back. You can be activated, and you only have to miss four weeks. That's a big deal. That is a big different differentiating difference between the two. Yeah, but now he was,
1: the, he was released today. Flat out cut.
0: No, they um so here's what here's how the story happened, Dave. It was announced earlier in the day that he was going to be released. But what we have to remember, and we see this consistently, he was not officially released until three o'clock. That's when those transactions become official. They placed him on season-ending IR, and they will likely come to an injury settlement. And if they don't, they will just pay out his full salary. Right, right, little Odie. Yeah,
1: that's Interesting, because I was yep. thinking it was a a cut, so as to sign him after words and not get the vested veteran clause deal.
0: But. See, that's what kind of what I thought initially and why, why they were going about that route. But then at 3 o'clock, um, the, the waiver wire or the transaction wire came out, and that's what ended up happening. The Vikings even put on their own website that they put him on injured reserve along with Ole B.C. Johnson and prayers out to B.C. Johnson, guys, because he not only tore his ACL, but he tore it in the opposite knee. So now, mm-hmm. as a fourth-year receiver out of Colorado State, he has a torn ACL on both his left and his right knees is going to have to do rehab all over again. He was projected to have a pretty decent season last year. But unfortunately, the torn ACL, at the towards the beginning of camp, I believe before any preseason games were played, um, knocked him out, and then he tore the other one in Colorado. The first time, he played a professional game in Colorado. So my heart goes out to BC really just an unfair outcome for the young man who is projected to have a pretty decent role on this team as the fifth wide receiver.
1: Will they try to toll his contract?
0: That's a great question. I don't know. Um, My guess is no. And because one, you're coming off two ACL injuries. Two, you don't want to be the team that tolls a contract. Like we dealt with this with Teddy Bridgewater, right? You don't want to be known as an enemy of the NFLPA. Tolling a contract makes you an enemy of the NFLPA. It's also why one of the unwritten rules of how Deshaun Watson got his suspension, because it was only 11 games. They couldn't toll his contract. So that's just something worth noting. Okay, buddy, you're going to come a little closer, all right? Well, let's see him. All right. Well, I, I want to wait until Caitlin gets home because I don't. Right. I don't want to keep lifting him up and setting him down because he's a sweet boy and he doesn't like to be held very much. Oh. Um, so um, outside of that, you have uh, Myron Mitchell, the wide receiver, who was on the Vikings practice squad last year. He, uh, he was released and... Sorry, he was waived because he's not a vested veteran. And it is likely that he ends up back on the practice squad because the Vikings did like him enough to have him on the practice squad all year last year. And then... Uh, He did end up playing against the Chicago Bears. They did activate him for that game. Would not shock me if he ended up back in that spot. And they also um, cut Ty Smith, uh, the cornerback that they just um, re-signed after cutting on the 80-man roster cutdowns. And then they also uh, released Timon Paris, the tackle, who I'll, I'll be honest, that was one of the worst performances from an offensive lineman I've ever seen. He looked, like we talked about Jesse Davis as a traffic home, um, a term I got from Sports Illustrated uh, from the for the Dolphins, Dante Colinelli, who coined that last year. But he was bad, and he was bad in a lot of ways. He couldn't do anything to save his life. He was basically letting guys go through like he was a turnstile. It was just awful, Dave. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he troch- was bad.
1: I agree with you. The, and he played so much time on Saturday and it was, it was bad.
0: Yeah, it was, it was very, very bad. bad. Yeah. Um, But we only have five. So the, that means the Vikings 22 roster cuts have to happen by tomorrow at 3 PM. We will be seeing those fast and furious tomorrow. Make sure you uh, tune into the Vikings wire. I have a tracker at the front of the homepage ready to roll. Well, hey, there's my wife. Let's let's bring up the star of the hour. This is Odie. Odie, say hi. <laughs> Hello, Odie. He is the sweetest little boy. I'm gonna put him back over in his chair and let let my wife take him downstairs because he is he is not liking this very much. But <laughs> it was it was a good experience for him, and he wasn't up here very long. He's He's had a little bit of a rough transition but Odie oh, oh, is the sweetest little boy and he is he's gonna be really happy here but as we digress I'm glad everybody got to see the little guy and I know Mary is watching and she has been really excited to see him um, there she is in the chat I knew I, I knew I could count on Mary um, let's talk Dave about Alexander Madison because well, first, there has been ramp- on the cuts yep
1: yeah. you were talk about the cuts what this New Regime is doing different than just about all the others, is that uh, Coach O'Connell and Kwesi are telling the players in person. They specifically said it, Coach O'Connell, in his post-game press conference, that they are going to do it together in person. I think that's a nice touch.
0: Mm -hmm. I do, too. And that's something that you see a lot on Hard Knocks where, like, they bring one guy in and they cut him. Kevin O'Connell has a moment on hard knocks for Mike Tannenbaum, my boss at the 33rd team, who was general manager in the New York Jets at the time, uh, said that, hey, we're going to let you go. Um, and they went through the whole process with that. And it's not an easy thing. But the fact that they're willing to do it man to man, coach to coach, or coach to player, GM to player, I think really says a lot about the integrity of what this uh, quote unquote culture is trying to build. And the tough part about this. Culture, Dave, is culture can really just be a buzzword. It can be something that people throw around and be like, oh, we're building a culture. We're trying to do this, that, and the other thing. These guys aren't just saying it. Dave, they're living it. And I think that needs to be commended because that's not 100% something that you would would see on a regular basis. Um, And they're genuine people trying to make a difference. And I really appreciate that. Um, what you'll see now is anybody who is a, who's has at least six years of NFL vested, um, is a six year NFL vested veteran, excuse me. Um, they will be outright released and they can sign at any time. Everybody else will be waived and there will be different designations. There will be waived injured. There will be the injured reserve with an injury settlement. There'll be just straight waived. Um, they can be put on the non-football injury list, which I don't think anybody right now is eligible for. And technically, they can still go on the reserve PUP. Um, but I don't think that anybody will be getting that either. Maybe Troy Die, But the early prognosis on Andrew Booth is he's going to be good to go. And I think that um, Troy Die, even with the the slight injury, which it sounds like if it was a regular game, that he would have been able to play because he stayed in pads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was important to note. Um, I don't think Trudy is going to make this team. We'll go into that here in a little bit. But Dave, we're going to talk about Alexander Madison next because Alexander Madison is rumored to be on, not necessarily on the trade block, but in trade talks. Multiple sources came out today and talked about how the Vikings were listening to Alexander Madison. I think that's really important. Listening. They are not actively shopping him. But when you get a lot of calls on a player, and especially with the performance of Ty Chandler, Kenny Wangu is going to be on this football team because he's a kicker turner. And I'll interrupt real quick. Dan, Odie is a purebred French Bulldog. Um, We got lucky. Uh, A couple friends of ours had an oopsie litter, if you can believe that. An oopsie litter of purebreds. Um, Their pup had already had two litters, and they weren't planning on having another. Four months ago, they dropped her off at a friend's house uh, that had a Frenchie as well, just to wash her for the weekend. Well, they made babies. And we got one of them. Um, so we're really excited about it. Um, Funny how that works. The, I know. Back to Madison. Um, Chandler has really stood out. Wong was going to be on the team as a kick returner. CJ Ham is going to be on the team as well. And we all know, unless somebody offers you the farm and a condo in the city, you, Dalvin Cook's going to be here too. So there's four backs. And then with, Ma- with Madison in there, you have five. Five backs on a team that's built like this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Unless you're going to utilize C.J. Ham in a real tight end role, like an H-back. That's plausible. And if that's the case, then you could maybe carry two tight ends, but five backs still is a lot. And I don't necessarily see the Vikings really trying to go in that direction. So that means that you're probably going to have to figure something out with one of the other backs. Madison has one year left on his contract. He is a mid-round pick. He was a 102nd overall pick in the 2019 draft. Dead money, he has $187,000. Just just the back half of his signing bonus. So if the Vikings were to move on from Alexander Madison and keep Ty Chandler, they would save about $180,000 in cap space. Now, do you need to try and save cap space? No. But you're trying to project out for the future. Alexander Madison doesn't have a future on this football team. He is an average running back who's good in a rotation, and who sometimes flashes and people are like, Oh, Madison's a top twenty back in football. The problem is he can't see. He, well, his vision his vision is not good, Dave. He's and we've not, seen it consistently. He's not
1: your typical cutback style of I see a hole in my peripheral vision of going that way back. No, he's uh my assignments to hit the A gap, I'm gonna hit the A gap no matter what's open left or right. That's Alexander Madison. And for the most part but why
0: did the Vikings take him?
1: Well, for like, the most part, he's done well. When he's in there for Cook, he's had plenty of 100-plus yard games. He He's not bad. He's a de- He's a decent backup. He's also good at pass blocking that portion of the running back responsibilities. He's good at that as well. Now, are there teams out there that could use him? That's the whole thing driving this trade rumors. And the answer to that is yes. Very, very much so. The Eagles are one of the top teams that could use him. Now, whether uh, it happens or not, we don't know. It was reported there are 12 teams that have called. I like that number. I like that number because it causes a bidding war if anybody is really serious. Now, Doogie reported today that The Vikings are looking for a fourth or a third, preferably a third. I think if they got a third or a fourth, uh, that would be quite generous, and I'd take it in a heartbeat. But I think the Vikings are trying to compare once he leaves next year, what's the compensatory pick going to be worth the following year. So I think they're trying to get that minimum plus one.
0: Here's the tough part, Dave. There is no way, and I, I and I mean this in a nice way. There is absolutely no chance in hell that Alexander Madison gets higher than a fifth round compensatory pick. And here's why. Um, I broke it down, and I'm actually going to pull up something, and I'm going to share it with you so we can um, we can talk about it.
1: And Dan um, has illustrated it, there may be some teams that are talking about player swaps, not you know, draft choices, but actual player swaps to get. If Kwesi's wanting, say, a competent center or a tight end to bring in, they may put him in to beef up the pot and uh, make that trade possible. We don't know. Those are all rumors Mm -hmm. that I saw today that came out about it. It's obviously been talked about on Purple Daily and K-Fan and I don't know k-fan i didn't listen k-fan um a lot of the other podcasts today that have already been out so does it happen who Mm -hmm. knows and you think he's only going to get a fifth for a compensatory pick at the maximum
0: easy um and i broke it down dave um check your inbox on twitter i have a tweet or um an article with the tweet in there i want you to pull up it's from our own matt anderson host of vikings happy hour he broke down kind of the relevant running back trades of the past few years to try and get a market value for Madison. Now, as Dave pulls that up, um, he- here's how the compensatory pick selection works. Okay, you have to be in like the top 90% of all free agent contracts or whatever. It's a top 32 contract, and they don't, it can't cancel out. So if you remember from a few years ago when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. they also had Sam Bradford and Case Keenum leave. Uh, for other opportunities. All right. And Teddy Bridgewater too. They got compensatory picks from Teddy and from Sam. The Keenum one canceled out with Kurt. Now the Sam pick ended up going away because um, the Cardinals cut him, which took the Vikings out of a third round pick. But because Bradford and Keenum had such high salaries on an average annual value, Uh they were able to draw a third round pick and it's all salary based. So the, there were two fourth round picks that are projected to go out next year for compensatory selections. That was for Brandon Scherf, $18 million a year average annual value. And for sorry, Brandon Scherf was 15, and then you had Randy Gregory, who was 13.9. So Alexander Madison's not getting 13.9 million a year. So you can eliminate the third and fourth round picks. Now the fifth round picks is where it becomes a little interesting. Melvin Gordon, after being a five-year starter with the Los Angeles Chargers, got a two-year, $16 million contract. That would draw you a fifth-round compensatory pick because Connor Williams is projected to get a fifth next year at $7.017 million a year, average annual value. He's probably not even going to get a fifth because what Madison's skill level is, you can probably relate it to what the Vikings signed Latavius Murray to, back in 2017, 5 million dollars a year. That gets you a 6th round pick. Now, Madison is a good player. He's not a great player. And because he is good, not great, you're not going to get a high value, especially when you're talking about a pre a non-premium position. You can there's a reason why you find a guy like Ty Chandler in the 5th round. Like guys like James Robinson, two-year starter for the Jaguars, undrafted free agent. Like it's not that you can find running backs off the trash heap and then they can play really well for you. It's that the running back skill set, you can find guys without paying premium capital because if you have great vision and great contact balance, you can figure the rest out. You can run a 4 and be successful. You don't have to have incredible speed and burst to be a good running back. It's going to put a ceiling on what you can do in the league, but it's not going to put a ceiling on you being an effective starter and getting about 1,000 yards. Okay? And that's where we're at with James Robinson. Good player, not great. Has the ability to do some things. Okay, Ty Chandler has elite burst and elite speed. 98.2 percentile, 10-yard split at 1.46 seconds, and a 4.38-second 40-yard dash, which is 99.6 percentile. This kid can fly. He can burst through the hole, and then he can beat you with long speed. You can't find that in a lot of backs. Now, he has some areas to work on. His contact balance isn't phenomenal. He showed the ability to break some tackles. But that was against the third, second and third stringers. Can he do that consistently when you're talking about starters? These are all fair questions for him. Can he be a successful pass blocker consistently? Shown flashes, but that's an important element with the backup running back. Can he play special teams? We already know he can return. He had the 56-yarder against the Las Vegas Raiders in that opening preseason game. He has the ability to be a very good running back. If the Vikings move on from Dalvin Cook, guess what? Ty Chandler, come on down. You're the next contestant on starting running back in the NFL. He has all these talents and abilities. Can you continue to grow that and harness it? The reason why I have been advocating for Ty Chandler to get that that running back job over Alexander Madison is Madison is ceiling capped. You already know what he is. He's a stalwart guy that can come in and fill in for Dalvin cook. Where's the potential? Where's the exponential growth? Where's the future? His ceilings, he's already there. You already know what you're getting. Like Ty Chandler could be like a fringe top 10, top 15 back. It's absolute ceiling because of his athletic gifts and his vision. Now, will he ever get there? Is a massive question, but you know Madison won't get there. You know Madison is gone at the end of this year, and if you have a compensatory pick, like he may not even get one, and at the best is six. If somebody offers you a fifth, I'd say, hey, we're gonna let's call around and see if we can get a fourth, and then you take the highest fifth offer because that well may be the, the case.
1: Tackle. But you gotta always remember in a buyer's market, right? If they got 12 Mm -hmm. teams calling. Now, teams call just to call and say, hey, what's the story on this? And uh, But if there is actually teams that envy it, they could see in their eyes something they value higher. And like I said, if you can get a bidding war going, that's even better. I don't know. I agree with you on when we get to Ty Chandler, about being probably next year going to be your starting running back, mm-hmm. but we're talking this year. We're talking right now. We're talking Madison, and if they get rid of him, yes, that alleviates, you know, opens that one spot in the running back room because the running back room is as, as we're going to get into shortly is full.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, I, you know, Dave. I want to address a comment really quick. Game changer sixteen Zima. Come on, man. You should see my bourbon collection in the basement. I have a five-liter barrel filled with crown that's that's already been aging eight months. I, you know, I, I thought you thought better of me, and I hope you now see the light and know that I am not a Zima guy. Now, let's talk about this here, Dave, because I think Chandler can be a backup running back in the league this season. Uh-huh. Alexander Madison is not going to give you enough of a surplus over what Wong Wu and Chandler will give you to where, hey, I need to do whatever I can to keep Madison for this year, and I don't need to worry about uh, getting a compensatory pick or getting a pick or whatnot. There is not a discernible difference to where I I think that you need to be worrying about that.
1: Oh, so I you're saying you're just flat out cutting.
0: I think you can still get something on the market, but I'm not opposed to cutting him, no. Um it, it all depends on – and this is where we're going to get into that 53-man roster here in a few minutes, Dave, because there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of – um, hey, I, I wrote a piece for the Vikings who are talking about three positions that it was very difficult um, to discern who's going to get that spot, the fourth middle linebacker, the sixth wide receiver, which was made clearer, thankfully, with B.C. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And um, that that last defensive tackle spot. Um, I think it was the last defensive tackle spot. Heck, I don't even remember. Um, it was,
1: I, uh, no, linebacker.
0: No, I, I no, did linebacker.
1: Defensive, Blake Lynch.
0: Yeah, it was, it was Blake. Oh, it was the last offensive lineman. And I had um, Blake
1: Brandles, who you selected on that
0: one. Yeah, Blake Brandle and not um, Jesse Davis. I don't like Jesse Davis. And it doesn't bother me. Um, Jesse Davis is a traffic cone. We are going to say that on this show. Traffic cone, traffic cone, traffic cone, traffic cone, traffic cone. He's not good, Dave. Um, Fine connoisseur of Boone's Farm. (laughs) Game changer, you're the man. You are the man. Um, so let's digress, Dave. Let's break into this, um, uh, 53 man roster prediction. I don't know if you have graphics, but, um, if you want, you can all, um, pull up another window and follow along, um, is on the Vikings wire. It is my, um, 53 man roster prediction. And I've got all the positions, including a practice squad because I am a true sicko and hey Fred let's let's start talking about this Dave um first category you had was quarterbacks yep quarterbacks pretty simple Kirk Cousins Nick Mullins Kellen Mond stinks yeah. Sean Mannion is worse um you, if you can try and see Kellen Mond in the practice squad watch for a trade I have no inside information no way of knowing this but if the Vikings are going to release Kellen Mond you can bet your ass that they're going to start mentioning him in trade talks see if they can get some capital back for him. Because he is an athletic specimen. Coaches are a different breed. Now, analysts can see, hey, this guy's got nothing. It's not even worth your time. Just cut him and move on. Coaches have a mindset where they always are trying to get something else out of the guy. I can fix him. I can be the one to do it. And that's going to get me my calling card. Coaches have that mindset. They should have that mindset. It's up to the general manager to tell them, no, you're wrong. And that's where a symbiotic relationship that hopefully Kevin O'Connell and Kweisi Doflamenca can develop because Kweisi has to be the guy to tell Kevin, no, you can't, or yes, you can. He has to be either be the enabler or he, he has to put it to a complete halt. If you can have that relationship, that is when success can truly be bred. Now, Calamon, I don't think can be fixed. Sean Mannion uh, needs to be holding a clipboard somewhere. So I don't think either of them make the roster. With a whistle, and I think Kalamon could be traded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, give give him a whistle. Send him out uh, to a ten year old soccer practice. That that's the perfect spot for him. Just go be a dad. All right, running backs. Dave. Right now, I do have five: um, Dalvin Cook, C.J. Ham, Alexander Madison, Kenny Wongwu, and Ty Chandler. I still think that Ch- uh, Madison could be dealt, but I'm not going to. Um, at the house on it. I really think that they need to, uh, they're going to play this smart. And if they don't get an offer that they like, they are going to be like, eh, nope, we're, we're just going to keep him. And if they end up getting rid of Madison, I don't think Brian Kobach is going to be getting a spot. Um, He, he just wasn't very Not good. He, he is, Dave, he's the perfect action fun back. Where on Matching Tuesday nights, he did a great job. And he was able to um, make a lot of plays. That's also max. Not exactly what you would call great stuff, you know. So, I think he may be a practice squad candidate. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Wide receivers. Pretty easy, Dave. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, Allen, Thielen, K.J. Osborne are your starters. You have Amir Smith, Marset, Jalen Naylor, and Tristan Jackson. Um, I thought that he showed a lot in camp. He was um, a UDFA, I believe, 2019. He spent some time with the Rams. Now he's with the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell knows him well. And then BC Johnson ended up on injured reserve. Uh, <laughs> coffee getter for the QB coach. I don't know. Have you, have you, seen, uh, Sean have you seen Sean Mannion throw a football? Have you seen Sean Mannion throw a football? Do you trust him to carry a coffee cup? That's all I'm going to say. Um, Moving on to tight ends, Dave, because there really isn't a whole lot to talk about the wide receiver room. They really separated themselves. Myron Mitchell, I think, is going to get a job in the practice squad. But um, Tight end, Irv Smith Jr., obviously. Um, Johnny Munt, also known as the Munt Cake, and Ben Ellison. I think that they are going to prioritize having a blocking tight end. And Johnny Munt is going to be in that Irv Smith Jr. role from his rookie year and second year, 2019-2020. He's going to be an H-back. They're going to move him around the formation, do a lot of different things with him, use him as a blocker in split zone. But Irv Smith Jr. is going to be the pass catcher of this group. Now, there are a lot of people that are high on Zach Davidson, and they should be. He's got a lot of potential. But the problem is, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, The hands, they ain't very good. He needs to catch about uh, 300 balls out of the jugs machine a day, really get them figuring it out. Um (laughs) does he have some photos on owners? (laughs) I I love that. Um, No, I I honestly think it's as simple as Kirk cousins likes him and likes the chemistry and the intellect and helping on the sidelines. It's definitely not because of his play. Um, And then Ellison, look, solid blocking tight end played five games for the Vikings Mm -hmm. last year, Um, played admirably. He's not going to have any kind of sky high potential and he's going to have, I don't know. He's going to be okay. He catches the ball
1: when thrown to him. He is a blocking tight end. He is going to make his role in the NFL as a blocking tight end, sort of like David Morgan.
0: Yes. That is a great comparison. All right, Dave. Offensive line. We're going to have the five starters listed at the at the forefront. Christian Dariusa, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, he is going to win the job. Kevin O'Connell alluded start. to it um, in the postgame press conference. Brian O'Neill. Then you have your four backups. Chris Reed, center flexibility. And the backups, we're going to break that down because the flexibility of these guys is key to why they were picked. Austin Schlottman, he's pretty much a pure center, but you can play guard with him in a pinch. Ole Udo and Blake Brando. In this group, you have four guys that can play guard, three guys that can play tackle, Two guys that can play center. There you go. Uh, Jesse Davis, traffic home. I wasn't taking him. Brando's a homegrown guy. Um, the build, To my knowledge, everybody in the building likes him. He's a stalwart. He's going to get beat by some hyper-athletic guys, but he's not going to lose with technique. He's not going to be massively overpowered consistently. Ah, he just doesn't have foot speed. He's pretty bad at foot speed. But he's going to be just a solid piece and we all know Udo. He's had struggles. But w- along with Udo, Dave, um, he d- he does have the ability to have um, stretches where he plays great. And mm-hmm. I think continuing to develop that, especially because we have Chris Cooper, who's a protege of Mike Munchak, I think that's something that's worth continuing to try and develop. It doesn't work out if this year it doesn't work out. That's fine. Schlottman proved that he can be the backup center. Will he get a chance to start at any time? I don't know. Chris He's also
1: giving him reps at guard.
0: Chris Reed was one of the best uh, interior linemen on Saturday. His first action as a Minnesota Viking on, on the preseason field. He got some rep at center, too. They are going to have a contingency plan for Garrett Bradbury because Garrett Bradbury stinks. He, what he's great at, he's great. What he's bad at, he's really bad in stability. Well, we can talk about that another day.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
0: Defensive lineman, Dave. Um, this is a tough one. I already have one off the board. Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Armand Watts are your three starters. James Lynch, Jonathan Bullard, and T.Y. McGill. McGill was that sixth guy. I don't ne- necessarily know who's going to end up taking the spot, Dave. I want to say <laughs> uh, manifest suit. Like, that's, that's about all you can do. I don't know about Jalen Twyman. Five and six-round pick. Um, I really liked him coming out of pit. I thought he was, um, he played a similar style to Aaron Donald, but was nowhere near as good. So the stylistic comparison, especially considering the defense that they played in, 100% fair. Like he wasn't the same type of, he wasn't the same like level player. Just a quick penetrator, really going to get washed out in the running game because he's so focused on getting to the quarterback. But when he has a chance to get to the quarterback, he's very good. Problem was in the combine, somebody told him it was a good idea to beef up from 280 to 315, and he, he looked like he was trying to do a Harambe the Gorilla cosplay, just way too big, tested abysmally. I dropped him in my rankings, and he fell all the way to around 6, when he probably should have gone in the top 75. Uh Twyman's, he is, basically he is what he is from college. He's getting washed out in the running game, and in the passing game, he's not making nearly enough plays to compensate for it.
1: Well, the only I, problem the with guy. this is... You have your selection of six players, was my same as mine. Yep, that was before Ty McGill was let go. Yep, Ed Donatello has always gone into the season with six interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So, where that new sixth one's coming from, whether it's Twyman, and I don't think he's quite ready. Or outside, we don't know yet. So this is going to be an interesting one to watch.
0: It will be a very interesting one to watch. And I will say this. The caveat with these uh, projections, Dave, they're not going to keep these 53 guys. They're going to bring in one or two from the waiver wire. It mm-hmm. happens every single year. This six defensive lineman could be a waiver wire guy. Jonathan Bullard was signed really late because he was a veteran of this defense. And he proved his worth by how he played. I wouldn't be shocked if he's the first guy off the bench, uh, rotating in and bo- at both the three technique and five technique, and even at the zero or one in passing downs because of what his skill set is and how d- how he can play the game of football. Incredibly dominant in Florida. Was a little more stagnant in the NFL, but he's solid. And solid is what you want. Solid and versatile from those backups. Um, Odomay was another guy that could sneak onto the 53 because of this. Um, I don't know. I think he's got a ways to go, but he could be a guy like we talked about with Ty Chandler. You can't sneak him out of the practice squad. So that'll be one to watch. Um, Timothy, really good pull there. We appreciate it. Dave, hey, we're going to go to edge rushers. This is where you and I had a conversation because mm-hmm. we don't agree here. Um, oh, the top four are, number
1: five. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the top four are going to be everywhere Daniel Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham. Put those the top two and then the bottom two in any order, and you're going to see the same thing. Fifth one, Zach McLeod. Edge out of Miami. Here's the thing with McLeod. This is a guy with his size and skill set. I don't think you're sneaking out of the practice squad, which is why you have to have him on the 53. I don't necessarily think his performance in the preseason and camp warrants a spot on the 53. Sometimes you have to make those difficult calls if you want to keep and groom a guy where you have to just be like, you know what, he doesn't necessarily deserve it, but we know what we're getting in this guy and how we can continue to grow and develop him. We're going to put him on the 53. That's my my thinking here.
1: And then activate him every weekend. Yep. It's possible. Like I said, I went with four. I went with those top four. I didn't think that uh, they needed... Or that they would go with more than that, but you may be right. It may be they may be looking to keep five, and Zach may be that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach um, may be that guy, and that'll be interesting. And especially with uh, um, some other positions like only keeping nine offensive linemen, that is where you can keep a fifth, um, edge rusher. And I think with this defense, oh, fifth running back, keeping. Keeping a fifth edge rusher is a good thing, Um, especially when you have guys like Hunter and Smith who can do a lot on the inside. Now you can be even more multiple. Um, Plus, Hunter and Smith get injured. Having a fifth guy makes sense. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Tomorrow's going to be a very fun day for us, Dave. I'm going to be ready Mm -hmm. to strap in. Um, Linebackers. This one's pretty pretty straightforward. Top three are easy. Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Brian Asamoah. The fourth one, I did not have Troy Dye. I don't think Troy Dye is a good football player. Gets washed out, cannot see the field, and he's like Todd Pinkston in tackling form. Kind of alligator arms things. I just, there was a lot of hope for him coming out of Oregon. And then he got hurt, and then he ended up falling to the fourth round. I'm like, okay, maybe the Vikings can develop this guy. Just never happened. I don't think is a quality NFL player. I think he can be great in the XFL, but I just don't see it here. Blake Lynch played well last year in relief. Got starts after Anthony Barr um, got hurt. And he played relatively, relatively well. In all honesty, this is kind of a crapshoot. I don't know who they'll take for their fourth guy. It could end up being Troy Dye but I think it's going to end up being Blake Lynch and potentially when he comes, gets activated off the PUP list, Ryan Connell. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right, Dave corner back. This is going to be contingent on Andrew Booth jr. Staying off both injured reserve and the PUP, Um, Patrick Peterson, Cameron dancer, Chandon Sullivan, Andrew Booth jr. Caleb Evans and Chris Boyd. Now Boyd is an interesting one. We know his limitations on the outside actually covering receivers. He needs to be that uh, fourth, fifth, or sixth cornerback option. What but he Boy had great gives attitude,
1: you, and he, did, he had a good game Saturday. Yeah.
0: He is a good locker room guy, great special teamer. He's got size, and he's okay-ish in coverage. Like This is the kind of guy you want on the back end of your roster as a human and as a... a <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right words. My brain is melting today. Um <laughs> he is the kind of guy that you you just want in your locker room because he tries hard. Yes. And I think with his um with his special teams acumen, that's going to help him immensely with uh staying on this roster. Um Shannon Sullivan, I think, is your slot corner. The only other element for uh Chris Boyd, um Perry Nickerson and um, what's the other guy's name that's at the in the slot? Hairston, yeah, that Hairston. right? Yeah, um, Hairston. horrible. they could end up being that six corner if you want to keep another slot corner. But as we talk about with safeties, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. No, um, because you have two safeties who can play in the slot. Harrison Smith and Cameron Bynum are your starters, Dave, and then you have Lewisine and Miles Dorn who I believe earned himself a roster spot with a really good game on Sunday. And Josh Mattel getting hurt, and then Dorn having that game is, honestly, I think will be in the nail of the coffin for Mattel on the um, main roster, but he will probably end up on the practice squad. Um, because of Bynum and Scene's ability to go in and play the slot, I think a backup slot corner is not going to be quite as necessary because you can utilize a lot of three safety looks. Hey, you want to go nickel? Bring in Louis Seen. Let Zane and Harrison Smith just wreak havoc in the middle of the field and then have Bynum slide down into the slot. Bynum is a corner by trade, so he has has the knowledge and skill set to already play the position. And plus, being in the slot, um, he doesn't have to deal with those outside receivers. He just doesn't have the athleticism to be able to keep up consistently and stay in phase. I think that this is what the safety room ends up looking like. Um, Dave, do you have any differences with Dorn? Because I think this was one that you did.
1: Yeah, I I had Metellus on there uh, for my fourth. I don't object to Dorn, especially he had a good game. My question is, especially with one fewer interior defensive lineman at this time, might you want to keep Metellus? And I, he's the only one guy I didn't have getting injured this Saturday because Metellus mm-hmm. and Dorn both play special teams.
0: Yeah, they do, um, and I think that's that's a really, really good deal, really big deal because you have to have your core special teamers, and that could be what keeps Metellus because he is one of the better special teamers on the Minnesota Vikings.
1: But how did well, what happened? I did I didn't hear him get hurt Saturday.
0: Yeah, he. Uh, I think it was an ankle. Um, they didn't really mention it on the broadcast, but I don't oh, think the he played another snap something. after that. Yeah, What we
1: had on Saturday, uh, Asamoah went out with a rolled-up knee, came back in, Jesse Davis. Oh, oh never mind. Jesse Davis was starting, um, then he flipped
0: McGill in and former. Dye were both ruled out in the first quarter. McGill uh, with Jay the right angle,
1: a- Die with a foot, BC with his knee, and then Naylor with a concussion.
0: Yep. This next one, Dave, is going to be pretty easy. Specialists. Greg Joseph. Ryan, number sixty-six, right—the which is got National Football League, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. I agree, um, but whatever. Um, and then Andrew Napolia, the long snapper. Look, there's going to be at least a little bit of continuity with Joseph Napolia, and, and as as what we've seen so far, no issues with Ryan Wright. I'm pretty okay with that group. I don't really see that changing, especially with the release of Jordan Berry. I was a little surprised by Jordan Berry's release because. He was a really good punter last year. 46.5 yard average. But it's about a $400,000 difference from Barry's salary to Wright's salary. And that's the kicker. When you that, have two guys who are equal control. or relatively equal, mm-hmm. boom. Money. Money going to be the deciding factor. And that's un- the unfortunate part of this business.
1: And as we saw Saturday, Wright can own that sucker.
0: Mm-hmm. He really can. He... He was on one. And Chris Thomason had a nice little quip. Um Ryan Wright is has the highest number ever of a punter who had a longer punt than his number because he had a 68 <laughs> yarder. That was that was pretty good. That Chris Thomason is an absolute gem.
1: If the All NFL right. let him keep that number sixty-six, and to me it's perfect because he looks like a guard. He's six foot three, <laughs> over two hundred and fifty pounds. Right? I'd buy that jersey. And I don't buy current Hell pair of yeah. jerseys
0: usually. Dave, do you know how many people would be wearing a number 66 jersey in the stands? It would be a lot. Because um, it would be unique. Yes.
1: It would now on to your um, practice squad dream list.
0: Alright, so... This is going to change a lot because you're going to have probably three to four guys that were not on the Vikings preseason roster on this list. But I did it with the caveat of these are only guys that are on the roster. Okay, Now, you have to, if you have 16, at least 10 of them have to be, um, I believe, under four years. Anybody else can be um, – you can have six guys with any amount of experience. That's why you had guys like Josh McCown, Sean Mannion as uh, practice squad guys. And that's just kind of how it was. Um, all right. Um, we'll just start at the top. Jalen Twyman, we talked about why I think he could make the roster. I think it's plausible that uh, he he would make this. Myron Mitchell, already was a practice squad guy. They like him. He played well. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to move on from him unless somebody else decides to claim him. Madarian Lowe, 6'6", 315, long arms. I believe they're 36 and 2 eighths inches. Okay. Yeah, he is a project. This is your new Oli Udo. And if they don't keep Udo, Lowe could be the guy that, that ends up sneaking out of the roster because they don't want to put him through waiters. This is the kind of tackle you want to develop and try to grow into something to be a future contributor. Um, your new Rashad Hill, Oli Udo, this is your guy. Acesio to Maywell, we also talked about his case for the 53. I think his ability to play a little bit of everything on that line is Excellent, he's raw, like sushi raw. He just needs time and reps. And unfortunately, you can't always get that in the NFL, so he's going to have to learn likely in the practice squad. Um, Josh Metellus, this is going to be either um, Dorn or Metellus. I I don't think either one of them is leaving. Um, Brian Kobach, I don't think he's very good, but I think they'll end up keeping him on the practice squad because there were a lot of guys who were worse than him. And when you're talking about it, it's kind of where we're at. Kellen Mod, I don't think he ends up making the practice squad because I think he'll end up going somewhere else. But if he ends up clearing waivers, I'd, there's literally nothing to lose by putting him on the practice squad and getting him reps in practice. Nothing. Do it. Um, just to so, find so somebody
1: cool. else better that got released earlier.
0: Yeah. And yeah, unless you believe in um, a Reefs guy, Ben DiNucci, mm-hmm. um, which I <laughs> definitely don't. Um, honestly I'd rather have neither, but if I had to pick, I would take Ellen Mond. Um, Josh Sokol, center, had a very good game on Saturday, and he showed enough, and I will give credit to I, I think it was Luke Braun that said this. He had enough of a of a good game to warrant, hey, maybe we can develop this guy. That's kind of what his game showed. And I completely agree with that statement. Um, and Josh he he may be the next of those Viking the line of Viking centers where hey I dev- we developed this guy mm-hmm. homegrown end up developing him from nothing and making him a decent player. Um, yes, I know Carson Strong guy released today. Let me live in my pain and misery. I I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> um, next up, tight end Zach Davidson. We talked about it. Guy needs to learn how to catch. Needs to get stronger, but the speed. And athleticism, open field ability, and the ability to go up and get the football—those are all there. If you can round the game off a little bit, you could potentially be a really solid tight end too. Problem with tight end is they don't develop fast. They usually don't hit their stride till year three. And he was a tight end punter from Division Two. I would at least wait until the end of year three to really understand what uh, Davidson is. Um, Luigi Villain. He's another guy that could end up getting that McLeod mm-hmm. spot. Yes. Had, had, a, had a sack, interception, fumble recovery. He was all over the field. He's got an athletic profile. He has a production profile from Wake Forest. And if you want to keep a fifth edge rusher, Luigi could end up being that guy. Um, Troy and Somebody's got to make the practice squad. I, and being that he's a homegrown guy, fourth-round pick. And here's the thing. that People talk about, like, In college football, stars don't matter. Or your draft pick status doesn't matter. It does. And it matters in a big way, Dave. Because at at the end of the day, if I'm going to give you a chance or him a chance, I'm going to give the first rounder a chance over UDFA. That's just kind of the way it is. And it's not necessarily fair. It's also one of the reasons why Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are the most uh, criticized quarterbacks in the National Football League because the initial perception on them was low. They were fourth-round picks. They weren't expected to be anything. So, people have a mindset of like, well, I wasn't expecting them to be something so there must be something wrong and they must just not be as good as other people think they are because of that. P- there are people that think that way. Guys will get drafted on day three because they were five stars coming out of high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, those things matter. And if people tell you they don't, I would highly recommend listening to someone else. anyways, um, Ty Smith, um, they re-signed him after cutting him. I think that they're going to try and, uh, find a way to keep him within the organization. Um, Nick Muse, um, Muse had some really good plays on Saturday. Also, had some really bad ones. Um, he's an he athletic tight end. He needs development. Tight end is a tough position to come in from college and learn and be good at. Um, Next one. Dan Jacena. Dan Jacena, everybody's favorite bad punt gunner. Um, he's he's one I wouldn't expect to actually be on the practice squad. But it's also possible because, hey, we've got a guy hurt. We need a, a punt gunner. And that's what he did for two years. So it's not out of the question, but I don't expect it. Dan Chen doesn't know how to tackle. And that, that's a problem in the NFL. Uh, Wyatt Davis, this is, I think, where pedigree matters, Dave. I don't know what's going on with Wyatt Davis. I don't know why he's bad because his 2019, Dave, looked like a first-round pick. His 2020 looked close to a first-round pick. There are just some
1: players that don't get it at this level. They're great in college, and and then they just don't get it.
0: But it wasn't just that he was great in college. He was great at Ohio State playing top-tier competition. So it wasn't like, hey, we we've got a guy at UTSA. I like watching UTSA; fun program. It's just when you're playing at a high level like that, it's just different, and it's 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 frustrating. Um, and then lastly, Kyle Hinton. I like Kyle Hinton, and he there he was getting second team reps above Wyatt Davis. I think he has is he a long shot to make the 53, but he is a left tackle at Watchburn transitioned on to the inside, I thought he might be a good center candidate because at Washburn, he could anchor decently as left tackle. He move him inside, teach him how to utilize leverage better. And with his athleticism, I thought could be a really interesting center guy. They haven't really developed him in that way. So that that's who I have projected. Um, do you think there's anything, Dave, that I was really missing from the final 53 and practice squad? Sean Mannion. If you keep okay. Kellen Mond, you're not keeping Sean Mannion. You you have Nick Mullins now.
1: No, I would not keep uh, Kellen Mond, but if they might keep Sean Mannion over there, just to keep I
0: him would happy laugh. They absolutely laugh if they keep Sean Mannion on this. I hope not. I re- I really really
1: hope not. Hey, maybe one of the third-string quarterbacks from some other team gets cut tomorrow that has more upside, more potential to be decent. Bring him in, right? Develop him. And if you've got something, and if he works, you got something for next year to be at least in the backup position. Yeah. You know? And the No, Dave, 100%. This is...
0: This will be very interesting to watch um, as things uh, unfold tomorrow. Uh, And I'm really excited to kind of see how this team starts to shape up. There will be moves. Do not be surprised if uh, if Kweisi dofa pulls a trader Rick and makes a trader to either offload somebody or load up with uh, somebody else. This is going to be a really fun week. We are going to see a lot of shifting, a lot of finalization with the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. Dominican Sue is still available. That is an if, that is a maybe, but with the uncertainty with that sixth position, Sue might be willing to come here and try and make a difference. Genuinely do not know, but it's not out of the question. There's a lot of fun things, Dave, with this Minnesota Vikings team as we prepare where next week we're going to be previewing a real football game. Yes, we're I going am. to be previewing the game against the Green Bay Packers, and it is going to be fun, fun, fun. Um, Tim, I like where your head is at. I don't think they're giving up on Bryce Perkins. So, um, yeah, in my opinion, that's probably a pipe dream. Um, but we'll see. We will see. In the meantime, Dave, I know that with the season coming up, There are a lot of things going on with Climbing the Pocket and the Daily Norseman here on the YouTube channel. What do we have this week? Do we have a full slate? Well, as
1: full as we're going to get. We have tomorrow at 5 o'clock instead of 4.30, we have the Daily Sit Rep with Tanishka Mascar of Climbing the Pocket and Zone Coverage. She is going to be going over the list of all the cuts for us. Then Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour with a possible guest. Uh, Matt sent me some early notes, and one of the things they're going to be talking about, obviously, and will be a subject all week, are the cuts. And then on Saturday, you will have Darren and myself as two old bloggers, again in our normal time, 4 o'clock Central on Saturday. We'll wrap up this week, and we might even take a quick look at that... uh, team from Wisconsin.
0: Uh, the team from Wisconsin. That is not something I want to hear. I don't like that Wisconsin team, Dave. I, I don't like them.
1: They can drink I'm beer. Not. i give them that much.
0: Hey, I, I can drink beer, too, and I'm not from Wisconsin. But um, this is going to be a really fun season, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you tune in all week. Um, to the Climbing the Pocket Network. And don't forget, um, there is going to be a post-game show after every single Vikings game this season. And it is going to start at the two-minute warning. Join Dave and Mm -hmm. a host of Climbing the Pocket regulars to make sure that you catch us being the first to talk about Um, each Vikings game, and then you can jump over to our friends uh, who also host post-game shows. But we are the first to market because we are the best to market. Um, In the meantime, we also want to thank our sponsors, Lake Monster Brewing. Dave, what is the latest Lake Monster you had and how good was it?
1: it's It's been ages since I have. I just got that one care package. But I do talk to Matt Lang, the brewmeister, at least once a week, right? Right now, the new one is the Belgian Golden Ale, right? looks absolutely delicious. I described it on Saturday. It's got uh, some floral hops and this and that. It just, it looks great. Purple Rain, Matt Anderson and Miles Gorham tried last Friday. They said that is absolutely outstanding. You should try it. And with my conversation with Matt, He's got special things planned for September and October. And I know one of those is the Oktoberfest. So it's going to be fun coming up here when the fall lineup hits.
0: Let me tell you, I'm a big fan of Oktoberfest. I will be for sure hitting up Lake Monster Brewing. Um, And if you're a fan of Can Can Wonderland, they're only about four blocks away. So you can do both in one shot and have yourself a nice little date night. Something to think about. In the meantime, from Dave, Odie, who made his debut on the show tonight, and myself, Tyler, thank you very much for joining. And thank you. And we appreciate you letting us turn your Monday purple. The One thing we always say to end the show: Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.